0: This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Protocol for Life Balance, offering a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out, which can help keep your blood vessels healthy and your circulatory system working properly, including Protocol's unique soy-free form of vitamin K2 that has been shown to promote healthy vascular structures, and D3, which helps maintain healthy blood levels of calcium. They're available in several forms and dosages, including a new combined formulation, which harnesses the synergistic effects of both K2 and D3. They're backed by solid scientific data, and available now at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And as befits the season, today we're going to talk about dealing with spring and summer allergies. We're emerging from a cool spring and the pollen is everywhere. The trees are blooming and there's all kinds of gunk on our car surfaces. We can just run our finger along uh, the surfaces of our dark colored cars and see all the pollen. We're inhaling it and uh, it's causing a lot of people distress. Uh, one of the complications of pollen this season is that it leads a lot of people to have symptoms that make them suspect that they have COVID. It turns out that people who experience severe allergies may actually experience a greater susceptibility to the bad consequences of the virus. So today's uh, guest is an expert in these subjects. She's actually a point-and-shoot expert. She uh, is well versed in all aspects of natural medicine. She's been involved in natural medicine since the 1970s. Her career, uh, chronologically, parallels mine. In fact, she has been a radio broadcaster. Since the 1980s, as I have, uh, she's my good colleague in New York, uh, Ellen Cammie. She's a PhD, in an RN, and has uh, numerous additional initials after her name. Uh, she's a professional member of the American Herbalist Guild. Uh, she's been board certified as an advanced holistic nurse, and uh, she is known uh, as the natural nurse. That's her moniker registered trademark and uh, author of many books, uh, including uh, The Natural Guide to Great Sex, uh, Weight Loss, The Alternative Medicine Definitive Guide, uh, and uh, many other books. Uh, and she's also co-authored them with her one of her collaborators, Dr. Eugene Zampiron. So uh, without further ado, here's Dr. Cammie. I'm going to refer to you as Ellen because you're my... Good local colleague here in New York.
1: That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for having me as your guest, Dr. Hoffman.
0: It's my great pleasure. So, uh, we'll frame the issue for us. Uh, you, what uh, is happening uh, that we're seeing so much in the way of uh, allergies these days? Is this a, a natural response of uh, the human body to uh, pollens and airborne particulates, or is there you know, well? Something when we causing say this? yeah,
1: natural, I mean not. Not everybody has this issue, but certainly there are many individuals. In fact, we even know the population parameters surrounding those who might be most sensitive um, to what you're talking about now, which is spring pollen allergies versus food allergies. Often they actually work together. But we actually find that spring type um, allergies might be more common in non-white populations, people who live in high pollution areas, and also family history of having allergy sensitivities. And interestingly enough, first born children and people born during peak allergy season, like spring babies, Mm -hmm tend to also be more allergenic, as well as people whose parents or others smoke in their home. And interestingly enough, babies who were given formula and food before four months old. So these are some of the risk factors that would make you more likely to have seasonal allergies.
0: So so breastfeeding can be protective against allergies, not 100%, but uh, statistically there's some advantage
1: that's true. And also we find that it's less allergies are less common in people who come from a large family. Um, and also it, for people who did not get antibiotics yeah. in early childhood, allergies are less common and also are having a diet that has high natural intakes of vitamin D, C, bioflavonoids, probiotics, and omega-3 fatty acids. So that's a healthy diet for everyone, including those interested in having a lower allergic response.
0: Talk to us a little bit about the hygiene hypothesis, because there's this notion that uh, uh, because we've vanquished many infectious diseases uh, through sanitation, through lots and lots of uh, disinfectants, uh, through vaccination even, uh, that people uh, may... Uh, gain in terms of their susceptibility to uh, serious uh, life-threatening infectious diseases, but they may end up losing out when it comes to increased susceptibility to allergies.
1: You know, I think that is definitely becoming more and more well verified through studies and statistical analysis. And that has to do with being really too hygienic. And, you know, that's interesting about this point. Allergies are less common in people who come from a large family. That could specifically be because who has time to wash every hand's kids? You know, every little child's hands every second Mm -hmm. if they have uh, five or ten kids running around. Those kids tend to be, I won't say less well cared for, but less uh, meticulously watched in every single second. So they may be more uh, likely to play outside, come in contact just with dirt in the yard, where our our sort of really child-centric caregiving very often in today's society has to do with over, let's say, over cleanliness and less exposure to natural things in the environment. I have to say, Dr. Hoffman, uh, with our current, you know, COVID issue, mm-hmm. and I really have felt from the beginning, um, very worried about the over cleansing of every single surface with antibiotic and anti-germ formulas, because what we know that does, such as with triclosan, which they um, put in the antibiotic dishwashing liquids, it actually leads to the formation, and also in this hygiene hypothesis, you're less likely to come in contact with less infectious normal mm-hmm. microorganisms and now we're, we're setting the stage for much more proliferation of dangerous microorganisms.
0: Yeah I, I was just with uh, a family member who has a, a two and a half year old and you know she, she had a little bit of a uh, residual cough and a runny nose and uh, you know so so, I asked him, you know, what did you think when she came down with uh, a respiratory infection? And they said, well, of course, we had her tested for COVID and she tested negative. And, uh, and, and what I said to him was, well, I'm reassured that uh, kids uh, still have the opportunity to have little regular minor colds. And he agreed. He said, yeah, that was very reassuring to me <laughs> that uh, amidst all this lockdown and the masking, Uh, that kids get a little bit of a boot camp for their immune system from normal pathogens that help to stimulate their immune response.
1: Oh, I like that. I'm going to use that, a little bit of a boot camp. That's really true. So, you know, there's a lot going on here, both genes and environment, as always.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I've also heard it uh, said that uh, kids who grow up on farms, who have contact with uh, farm animals, and dirt. Less likely. <laughs> dirt, farm animals, you know, like a little, you know, kissy-poo with a pet uh, or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, milking the cows or something like that, that uh, that actually uh, has a, a a bit of a stimulating effect on the immune system. I guess after all, what they say is uh, what doesn't kill you, make you makes you stronger, and, and that applies to uh, the immune system. So, in effect, we have uh, flabby immune systems uh, or... Uh, Another way of putting it is that we have uh, immune systems that inappropriately respond to things that they should coexist with, you know, like natural pollen, no biggie, but the immune system perceives it as a threat.
1: That's true. And, of course, that's an individual. Those people who are suffering, they know right now because right here in the northeast, this is pollen season. All the plants are opening up. A lot of them are releasing pollen into the air. And, and then, of course, in the fall, that's when hay fever is most likely to be a problem for those sensitive individuals.
0: Right. Uh okay
1: so that's why uh, it's called seasonal.
0: <laughs> yeah, seasonal allergies, right. Okay, so and we can distinguish between seasonal allergies and what are called perennial allergies. Perennial allergies mean like it could be like uh household dust, uh cats, dogs, uh they they don't come and go with the seasons. They're ubiquitous or or dust mites, you know, which are with us all the time. Uh but uh when it comes to uh, seasonal allergies, uh you know what are some things that people can do to uh, allergy-proof themselves and their kids, their families, uh, from you know the the problems with seasonal allergies.
1: Well, it is interesting when we look at the crossover. Because when people tend to have environmental allergies, such as we mentioned hay fever or pollen sensitivities, which might initiate a rhinitis or a sinusitis, that kind of involvement that they experience, there is very often crossover to food allergies. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, especially things like wheat and grain, because wheat is is a similar plant mm-hmm. to Uh, the grasses so if people cut down on their intake especially during allergy season they often will lower that histamine response we didn't talk about that too much yet but that's really what triggers the whole thing that you feel inside of mucus filling up the sinus cavities and itchy eyes and watery eyes and watery nose all that stuff is really your body's um Histamine coming in and trying to offset the things that are initiating an allergic reaction for you.
0: So, so it, it's appropriate to look at possible cross reactions between foods uh, and your particular seasonal uh, nemesis. So, with with the spring and summer, it might be grasses. With the spring, it might be trees. So we don't eat trees, but how do we imbibe trees when you know? when it comes to food.
1: Right. Well this you know, there's really quite a bit of research in mainstream medical literature. Like here's one um, talking about oral allergy syndrome following soy milk ingestion in patients who have birch pollen allergies. Mm. So this would be something you wouldn't necessarily put together, but oh. birch pollen is often reported in oral and pharyngeal hypersensitivity to fruits and vegetables. So there is people are not imagining it and getting a handle by going to a physician who does, let's say, IgG, food allergy testing, which is going to look for those hidden... Um, allergies to foods can also help us control those, um, more gross seasonal allergies that may be specifically linked to different kinds of pollen.
0: Um, as as so you know, if you're going to hold on for a second, because as you know, the uh, various ways of testing for allergies, the standard way is IgE. IgE is the, you know, conventional allergies do that. It often misses, uh, food sensitivities. It's very hard to pick up food sensitivities with, with that test. Unless you have obvious symptoms, then you already know that if you bite into a peanut, you go into anaphylaxis, then you'll have a high Ig. But IgG oh, is, is controversial.
1: <laughs> that That's one that you definitely know. But sometimes, let's say, I know a lot of people who have had, let's say, fish allergies. They mm-hmm. know every time they eat a shrimp, their upper lip pops up. A lift, lift, puffs up. And they're able to track that down as a one-on-one reaction pretty quickly. So that would be like you just mentioned, an IgE food.
0: It's obvious. Uh, it's it's almost you know uh, unnecessary to test. You know, it's kind of like uh, an afterthought.
1: But I know in New York, I'm not sure they still, they. I know when we were busy with this kind of testing, they did not really promote or even allow the IgG test in mm-hmm. New York yeah. I'm not sure if that's the case New York is
0: singularly bad when it comes to uh, innovative tests but uh, and for many years I used the IgG test I found it somewhat helpful uh, but uh, sometimes could yield misleading results and if it shows too many food allergies that the danger of a person unnecessarily restricting a food then might be perfectly okay for them so I, you know it's in the realm of controversy it's so much so that they don't even it's not even legal in new york i don't think even isn't
1: that wild i know but i really do recommend anyone who suffers from any kind of thing that they themselves perceive as an allergic reaction which of course has to do with whatever initiates their body's release of histamine trying things like completely eliminating wheat Anything made out of wheat and anything made out of dairy mm-hmm. often gives spectacular results in terms of less mucus production, less congestion. I, I and, can attest you know, to that because for downside? many years I,
0: I suffered from from very bad allergies, uh, and I fit that profile because I grew up in a you know a very antiseptic home in a smoggy area in you know the Los Angeles basin, uh, and I was an only child. And uh, I was very far from being a farm boy, you know, urban, you know, suburban uh, uh, lifestyle. Uh, and I had terrible allergies until I, you know, became an integrative doctor and realized that food allergies uh, accentuate seasonal allergies. I got rid of wheat and dairy, and I got to say, knock wood, I'm knocking wood here. <laughs> it really. But isn't that amazing? Yeah.
1: And what is the downside to trying that doctor. That's what I love. When we look at pharmaceutical interventions, maybe it helps, maybe it doesn't, and maybe mm-hmm. you'll get liver damage from trying it.
0: Well, I'll tell you what the downside <laughs> is, and it was illustrated to me uh, when I got uh, when I what treated a kid successfully for allergies, and then for some reason the kid ended up in an allergist's office, and I got a very angry call from the uh, board-certified allergist, who was a you know, famous guy, very prominent. And he says, I should report you to the medical board. And I, you know, I felt a chill run through me and I said, What are you talking about? Did I in some way harm this child? Did I, you know, did the child, you know, some disastrous thing befall the child? And he said, You took this child off wheat, which is a perfectly good food. And uh, that threatens this child with nutritional uh, deficiency. And it was chilling to me to hear this guy who, I totally didn't get it about this notion that food is related to environmental allergies. I mean, a, a prestigious uh, uh, conventionally oriented uh, allergist uh, who, was, who felt I was doing uh, a terrible disservice to this child uh, by taking the child off of wheat, which, which did in fact uh, <laughs> reduce the child's allergic symptoms.
1: Exactly. And I would say everyone who suffers from allergies should give that a try because there really is no, you don't even have to do it permanently just during allergy season and see if you get, you know, a lowered kind of allergic response, which would be fantastic for really no risk.
0: Yeah, it's a you know simple elimination diet, and you know it doesn't involve you know fancy tests. It's just a trial of elimination. Now, with an elimination diet, you you do have to implement it over a period of time because food allergies don't dissipate over a couple of days. Uh, I say to patients, you know, do it for ninety days. I mean, that's a chunk of your life, but you know it'll pass very quickly. See if your symptoms aren't better, and if not, I stand corrected. You can reintroduce the food, fine, um, but most people uh, experience an improvement. So those are the a couple of the main uh allergy culprits um so uh so just to, on another issue what is there a downside in taking antihistamines uh what, oh so what you, you mean see? when you
1: have an allergic yeah, yeah i mean if some people just, just, just pop a pop amazing. an
0: antihistamine you know they'll take uh, you know right. now they have they used to rely on sedating antihistamines. They weren't good because they made you tired. They knocked you out. They were probably unsafe to drive with because they could impair your your motor skills. Uh, But now they have what are called non-sedating antihistamines. So people pop those and it suppresses their allergic reactions. Any downside that you can see in using those?
1: Well, first of all, as we always say in natural medicine, it is so much better to Uh, really address the cause rather than cover the symptom. Mm -hmm. If you have just minor seasonal allergies and use those, which of course also do dry up the mucous membranes, Mm -hmm. which also might increase something like leakage through any of mucous membranes, such as intestinal permeability and also permeability through the mucous membranes lining um, the nose, (laughs) with overuse. But I don't think it's terrible to take one of those now and then. Mm -hmm. But why not address the issue by finding out what the cause is and eliminating that as much as possible.
0: Right. And, you know, we're all about root cause. And, you know, another way to look at uh, allergies, allergic manifestations, is that uh, the way I was taught is that it's a little bit like my cup runneth over. And the cup is filled with uh, a multitude of insults. It could be uh, the air pollution, uh, on a given day, it could be the foods you've eaten. Uh, it could be an imbalance in your microbiome. It could be the amount of pollen in the air. And that is, it's, it's fine until you reach a certain level and then your cup runneth over. You know, you're, we're all probably running low-grade uh, allergic signals in our body. It's only when your cup runneth over that, that the symptoms manifest and you become miserable.
1: That's true. And there certainly are, you know, side effects also linked to all of the antihistamines. And that's one of the things I have found that they don't necessarily work all the time over mm-hmm. time. And they also increase the possibility of, of having leaky membrane syndrome, be it uh, leaky gut or in the nasal cavity, um, other mucous membranes as, as well. So I don't suggest that as necessarily a total fi- side effects. I mean, they also can do things like over-sedation. Like you said, that seems to be more linked to the older generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, who knows? There's all kinds of things that can happen. Yeah,
0: the, the more sedating ones, also there's some buzz on how they may be uh, linked to um, uh, higher risk of dementia. Uh, if long-term use and dependency. And also, you know, many of the sleep medications are actually sedating antihistamines. And they're not good long-term. You know, they could have... An so,
1: like, you're type. talking about Benadryl. Yeah. Some people mm-hmm. use Benadryl yeah. both for sleep yeah. and for, you know, allergies.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. So, And then, you know, of course, another approach is to use nasal steroids. And I don't like those very much because they do, you know, sort of put out the inflammation in your nasal passages. But they also reduce your local immunity. And render you more susceptible to infection. So, uh,
1: and they seem those. to be addictive. Actually, totally, they yeah. seem to be addictive. You get hooked. You get like hooked. people, before you know it, they have to carry that thing around with them all the time and go to take a hit. I mean, it, and it also causes, I think, hardening of that mucus, yeah. which could lead to actually infections yes. that wouldn't have happened if it was loose and just released the way it should be.
0: And for me, the, the nasal sprays are the worst. I mean, there are natural nasal sprays like, uh, you know, clear nasal spray, which is a non, uh, medicinal nasal spray that actually uh, helps to sort of wash the pollen and debris and bacteria out of your nasal passages. But, uh, the, the, you know, the quick fix nasal sprays, you know, the neosinephrine and things like that, uh, they cause something called rhinitis medicamentosa, which is a, you know, addiction. You just become hooked on them. And when you stop using them, they're a great product because, uh, you know, you guarantee that, uh, you've got a patient for a lifetime, you know, it's kind of like a drug dealer giving out free samples of uh, crack here, try this once or twice and <laughs> you'll be a lifelong customer.
1: On the other hand, we have some really excellent results with herbs and supplements that we can talk about as well. I mean, really great immediate effects as well as long-term effects. And many of these, not only do they help the allergic symptoms, they help other things in your body as well.
0: Great. Okay. We'll focus on that. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about uh, a popular uh, theory that uh, explains allergies in many people, uh, histamine intolerance. Uh, when we return, you know, plus we'll give you news you can use about specific supplements uh, that have um, allergy-busting effects. Today's guest is Dr. Ellen Cammie. Uh, she's my good colleague uh, here in New York. She's out on Long Island. Uh, she is um, the natural nurse. And she also, by the way, give us uh, the heads up on your radio program
1: well, we've been doing those a long time, as he mentioned, and you can find us, just go to naturalnurse.com, radio, that's where I put the archives, but we are on Progressive Radio Network, which is a very large station, and here in the that's New Gary York knows. area. Gary also. Gary Radio Network. Yes, right? that's right, on his station. I have a show called The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. We initiated it with him right at the beginning. I know Gary many, many decades, and then we have another on-air show, regular on-air, listen in your car, believe it or not which is out of WHPC 90.3, Garden City, New York. And that's also simulcast on iHeartRadio.
0: And is there a website where people can download uh, podcasts?
1: Yeah, naturalnurse.com. We have thousands posted there as well as lots of other information under radio shows.
0: Wow, it's like parallel lives here. And you see (laughs) patients and you consult with patients as well, right? Right. Okay, good stuff. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We'll be back with more on the subject of uh, allergies with today's guest, Ellen Cammie, Ph.D., R.N. This is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.